Welcome to another episode of RPG Hour. Today we are talking about Fantasy by Anthropos Games. I am Mr. RPG Hour, they them. I am Jonathan Andrews, he am. So this was actually a little bit different for us. We actually got the creator of uh, Fantasy to come out and uh, run the game for us. I say come out, but we did this remotely, but uh, quarantine games. Um, so he actually wrote, ran the game for us, uh, and we actually still have him here, and we are going to discuss his system in front of him and hope not to butcher our relationship with him. Uh, so Calvin? Hi, I'm Calvin Johns. I'm with Anthropos Games. Um, yeah, we, we designed Fanji and put it out uh, just, a, I guess, a couple of years ago now. And so I'll be, I use he, him pronouns, and I'll be here with the, as the, the awkward review happens in front of me. It's like a self, <laughs> it's like a self-surgery or something. I'm like taking out my own appendix in front of the, the school of med students in like 1880. So let's see how it goes. That would have been so, cool body horror. You should have put that in. <laughs> oh, shoot. Oh, God. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I'll have to go back and add a content warning later. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, Fantasy, for those of you not familiar with it, is a universal role-playing game. Um, and it, it's sort of an anime role-playing game, uh, but if you really get Calvin talking about it, this is more based on JRPG video games, um, which really? is still sort of in that anime realm, uh, but depending on who you talk to that may be a selling point if they're really big into things like uh final fantasy chrono crusade or i'm sorry uh chrono trigger um you know jrpgs you could be like hey here you go come play this <laughs> um and on the other side of it if you've got some anime fans you can go get them to play this so um <clears throat> also it doesn't use the normal type of character sheets or and it doesn't interact like most rpgs uh, it is definitely a little bit different out there. You will need a handful of D10s. And when we played, I had a bag sitting here. I don't know why I have this bag anymore. Um, but there uh, was 30 D10s in it. Nice. Um, and so I just dumped those D10s out, and I would grab a random handful as we played. Um, so I And some of them are duplicates, so I literally lost track of which dice I rolled that did well at any point in this game. <laughs> Um, so I had points where I was rolling really well, and I'd, I, 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 I didn't want to roll the same dice over and over again, so I'd grab a set, another set of dice, they'd roll well, and then I'd all of a sudden roll a flop, so, uh, which my first yeah. roll was a flop. Um, but one of the, one of the neat things is that, um, you use something called themes, um, and those are set out in front of everybody everybody can use those and that can gain you additional dice to the pool of dice that you have um i think that themes are kind of a neat thing that they do uh if you get the main book there are some themes in the book um and if you're like me and you go out and buy some of the print and play uh things that they have online there's a lot of themes that you can get your hands on um so as the first thing we're going to talk about uh, how do you guys feel about themes? Oh, I love them. Honestly, <laughs> uh, what I'm going to say is uh, themes will keep your your combat. Combat in this game is super interesting for a number of reasons, but themes definitely contribute to it, and uh, it, it it inspires 
they're like writing prompts that sort of inspire you to, to interact uh, and with the scene in a certain way. I mean, every game has themes, right? It's just in most games, they're not front and center and you never really think about them. But I mean, you don't play Shadowrun if you don't want a magic cyberware experience and you don't play Dungeons and Dragons if you don't want high fantasy experience unless you're playing Ravenloft and then it's more fantasy, horror high fantasy. But in this game, it, they found a way to make the themes a real element in the game and, and it makes you think about them and that's just amazing. <laughs> I love that, it's great. Well, and, and, and even on that, one of the things about themes is that you can literally come to the table and not know what's going to happen, which uh, as, as a game master who likes to plan things is very irritating for me. <laughs> um, so, but I mean, at the same time, if a game master kind of has an idea, you can be like, hey guys, we're going to go fantasy and you could pull out all the stuff that's not really fantasy. Uh, like the cyberpunk, you know, any of the cards that are cyberpunk or sci-fi specific, right. and pull from there and, and kind of have your game. Um, or you can also use more loose uh, themes and give everybody, hey, we're in a cyberpunk world. There's magic. We're basically be playing Shadowrun, but we're going to be using <laughs> fantasy. Um, That'd be cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you know you could literally pull from there. So I think that the way that themes can be either in a whole define the world or in part define how the characters interact with the world I think is a really neat kind of concept because uh, tonight we were given hey this is the world you guys are going to be in Let's here's the themes that you guys are directly interacting with and I kind of liked that because the first time that we played the themes created the world mm -hmm. and I'll say I kind of liked this one a little better from the way that I like to run games and the way that I like to play games, I like going in at least getting to kind of form an idea of who I'm going to be. Mm -hmm. um, so having that we're in a boarding school and that we know that we're going to be going to some weird world um, was kind of a, I liked that starting point that mm -hmm. we didn't just pull cards and be like, all right, this is what it's going to be. Because <laughs> um, I feel like, I feel like you can end up arguing over the themes um, depending on your group. Mm -hmm. uh, for long enough. I wouldn't say that that would happen with this group, but I feel like there's some <laughs> points where you could end up pulling stuff and being like, oh, like four hours later, no, guys, it's got to be this way. You know, <laughs> right. like I've, I've been in groups that that would happen. So yes. um, anybody mm -hmm. else have any thoughts on themes or did we miss something that you can do with themes, Calvin? Well, no, I mean, I, I, I think that, I mean, every, everything people have said so far is like exactly right on what we wanted. I mean, I would think that, or I guess I would comment that if you're referencing, you know, we sort of like just met up at an anime convention and just threw some cards on the table and played. <laughs> and, you know, really when Fonagy came out like in, you know, 2015 and then all the supplemental stuff since then, um, like, we, you know, it was sort of more standard where the game master would maybe not come up with a plot, right? The whole point of the game is that you, like plot emerges when interesting characters interface with interesting obstacles you know right. so like you don't make the plot as a game master right and so the game sort of took out that uh, that element away from the game master but you can still be very heavy-handed with the themes yeah um and then over the years though i just particularly when i like to play the game i play it what i call what we call shuffle play as one <laughs> of the you know it's in the main rule but i really i just throw stuff out totally at random and that's <laughs> i think when you first sort of found the game um 
and that's just you know that's that's how I play it and how I introduce it to folks at times. But yeah, if you want to have a slightly more structured environment or a, st a slightly more structured form of play, um, th those are the default rules, and that's sort of what we support. Mm -hmm. And so the thing that I think really makes those themes kind of cool, and I think right now we're talking about themes, not themes and traits together. So we might talk about the traits separately. But, right. Correct. Um, if you play the same exact, if you have the same characters and the same obstacles but change up your themes, it is literally unrecognizable. Like mm -hmm. when I'm at a convention oh, yeah. and I have one or two scenes that I wrote that I love, I literally, if you just change those two or three themes, which are these sort of qualitative phrases that you put on the table, because those inspire, as Emmett said, every single turn, like they mm -hmm. inspire you, the whole game is different. Right. Um, so I think for a GM, you know, you can be kind of heavy handed if you want. Like if you want to have certain themes like those, or if you want to have a certain sort of play experience, those themes can do that. Um, so I'm really glad that you noticed sort of those two different ways of playing, right? That shuffle play mm -hmm. versus the more structured play, right? And even when you get Fonagy very structured, it still leaves the plot open, right? Like the plot happens as you play, but the GM still has control over those obstacles and over those themes, which, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I think it's really cool that you noticed that those felt as really different ways of playing the game, because that's definitely how those two different variants were designed. Yeah. I, I, I definitely it was definitely reading the book that I discovered that and then I kind of noticed it because um, when I was going to run a game at a con mm -hmm. I was like I've got a specific kind of story I want to tell but I don't want to just leave it up to chance that that's the cards we're going to pull and after reading I was like okay I could be a little more heavy handed and give them hey here's your scenario mm -hmm. let's see what kind of things are going to kind of be slightly affected by it and um, so I did a sort of shuffle I created nine different themes um, and I pulled out the three themes that were for that main scene, and then as things shifted, I switched them out as needed. So yeah, that's um, great. I mean, really, like I mean, those default rules are, I mean, in a way, then it's almost like a disadvantage that you saw that shuffle play first and felt sort of beholden <laughs> to that. Because really, I mean, the way the default rules are written, you should be making up those themes specifically for each scene. Right. So I think it's kind of admirable, kind of cool that you like maintain some of that shuffle play sort of spirit. Um, even in your dedicated con game. When I play a con game, I don't even do that. I mean, I generally, you know, I picked, you know, I picked our themes, you know, in our actual play session that we've been recording. Um, like, you know, I, I picked those themes very carefully. I mean, I've probably mm -hmm. played through this stuff maybe 15 times mm -hmm. and I've found themes yeah, that sure. work. Um, I usually, I have about five themes for each scene and I'll pick the three that I think fit the situation best. So maybe that's sort of similar to what you did. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, that shuffle play is just the new way that I do it. But the default rules, you can really play a dedicated, you know, five room dungeon or like a dedicated superhero heist. You know, you can really do that. Um, but those themes are just so powerful, right? They're not throwaway. It's not like, oh, here's a little bit of flavor. They really, right. they really, you know, they're like, you know, your hue or your saturation level or something on your image. Like, <laughs> they're way more, they're not flavor, right? It's, it yeah. really, it is the game, right? So. I think it's really cool that you picked up on that and that you've sort of even been struggling as a game master with how you want to do that. And I would encourage you, you know, explore that. Like maybe you want to be more heavy handed or maybe you don't, but it's mm -hmm. cool that you see the power they have um, and that you're sort of exploring or experimenting with different ways to, to use them for sure. Yeah. And personally, I'll say this, I, in a campaign, I would be willing to be a little more shuffle play if I were to sit down and do a longer term campaign. But when I'm doing one shots, I like to, because of how we do our one shots and how we structure the four different hours of play, um, and in a con game, you've only got so many hours of play, mm -hmm. is why is why I wanted to be more heavy handed. And um, I would suggest people pick up the game, 
take a look at the themes, think it through, and um, go and either buy one of the card sets or the download and print card sets and look at the idea and kind of come up, do you want to be more heavy-handed or do you want to put it to chance? Um, because I've, I've got a slight background in some improv stuff. Uh, I don't have an issue. That's part of the reason why I still kept it shuffle play at some point mm-hmm. because I could still tweak and change it. But I, it needed to be fantasy. It needed to be Three Musketeers-esque. It needed to be a certain thing to play out um, all the maps and everything I had. So uh, I was like, this is what we're going to do. How do you guys come into that? So right um, yeah and that's, let's yeah i mean i think that's awesome like yeah i think i think the conversation so far has been dead on for for sort of like pinpointing you know what that can do for a game so traits are sort of similar to themes but they are specific to the character one of the differences is that a theme is always only going to give you one die a trait can in time actually give you two dice when you're playing on it um and i think that that's kind of a interesting differentiation that can happen um, I think definitely that plays to uh, giving the characters more pull in their world. Uh, what do you guys think about traits? I think traits are really cool. Uh, again, it really directs the kind of action that you're going to take with your character. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sort of like, what kind of character do I want to play? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so these traits you know, can be changed, you know, by by play or, or by all sorts of other things. These things are, are all versatile, dynamic parts that will change with scenes, that will change with uh, seasons. But the, for the most part, they stick with you until um, you decide to stick more to ones that you get when you level up or... Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that... Uh, I, I kind of was playing a very different character <laughs> early on. I don't want to give too much away, but um, like things, your traits can get switched and and no, no, like cover your ears if you don't want any spoilers, <laughs> but my, my traits did get switched. And, and so I, I went from, from playing uh, uh, one, one kind of character to a, a very different um a very different um mood mm-hmm. of character <laughs> um and i thought that was interesting that you could just sort of do that and to give people an idea of what we're talking about when we're saying uh traits um in the book there's a npc on one of the pages called thief in the night and one of theirs is no honor among thieves. That's the idea of what a trait is. But you can also use things like uh, um, song lyrics, um, you know, just simple one word to a few words phrases that are going to basically be able to trigger and help people kind of know. And you don't have to use those words specifically. You just have to play to the theme. Um and so, I mean, no honor among thieves can go so many different ways. You could focus more on the honor side. You can focus more on among thieves. Um, you can kind of go in different ways. Um, and I think one of the cool things about it is that you say what you're going to do, and then the other players at the table kind of go, yeah, I don't think it really plays with that theme, or, oh, hey, it actually plays with this other theme or trade, or, yeah, no, you can use this as well. So I think that it's definitely something that can definitely – play into each other very well yeah it feels very collaborative oh it's uh, yeah and gameplay is much more like a conversation than yeah just about i think just about any other system that i played mm-hmm. 
honestly. It's much more like a conversation between two people uh, about what happens to these these heroes or, or you know, individuals in any <laughs> or, case. Or children. <laughs> or children. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that that's, that's very valuable is, is it, it, it really helps you have a good relationship with, with um, you know, sort of like where your boundaries are or, um, you know, what, what is fair. And you kind of figure that out because there's so much communication back and forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think Emmett brought up a couple of points there with I me, mean, that idea of like longevity and like your traits, like oh, sort of yeah. getting to know them and how they change over time. Like, right. I mean, again, the teaser is like for that character, those traits literally changed um, in, in a lot of gameplay that doesn't happen all that much, but you'll come to know your same trait in a very different way. Mm-hmm. So like yeah. even something like low key, right? Low key has a meaning already. That phrase has a meaning. But when you start playing off of the word low, playing off of the word key, playing off of these things, I think once people play like their fifth or sixth, you know, sort of like hour, maybe even the first night or the second night, mm-hmm. they realize like it's not cheap to play off a word. Mm-hmm. It's not like, you know, there's it's, the fun isn't in the pun. The fun isn't in like the cheap sort of thing. Like it's just eventually like you've got to play off of these traits and you mm-hmm. both, you love them and hate them and they restrict you and they inspire you. And it's like a relationship with these traits and like you just keep moving with them. And I really love seeing that, like the excitement of that first time and then like the second time when people get bored of their own traits and then that third <laughs> night when they find a whole new meaning and they fall in love with them in a whole different way right like i think that it's just i mean it's art through adversity right it's like taking yeah. not your first choice not your second choice but your third choice is that gorgeous answer like um yeah i really i like how people's relationship with their traits <laughs> change over time and, and we kind of saw definitely a difference in um understanding uh, myself, when I read the book, I was like, okay, we don't have to be as on the nose. Mm-hmm. And I know that we did a lot of as on the nose stuff at the um, Austin Anime when we met. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I ran the convention game, Mrs. RPG Hour and Jonathan were both like, wait, we don't have to be as on the nose? Oh my <laughs> right. gosh. And they went hog wild with it. <laughs> yeah. um, and so when <laughs> I, I've seen when that light bulb clicks. And um, so uh, it. They, they talked about how much they loved it the first time. They talked about how that opened up a whole new level of enjoyment for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, having that and then going to here, um, you know, was definitely, it, at least for me, I noticed that I was able to enjoy the character a little bit more here mm-hmm. than I did at Austin Anime. And it's, it's, it's from understanding the game. It's not the game's fault that I didn't have as much fun as I could have. Right. It was me locking myself into trying to pun everything <laughs> yeah um and that was that was me that was completely my fault so um but yeah no i mean it, it's one of those things like it, the more that you get to know a system mm-hmm. the more that you can you know you can build that better character that stronger concept um or you know in Fanagy's, uh case understanding your characters and playing them uh to a fuller amount so um at least that's my take on how how, how our evolution of continuously getting to play this game has been <laughs> i feel like i feel like last time uh because i had a clear idea of the boundaries of my character it was, it was a very different experience last time at austin anime i had a clear definition of the boundaries of my character mm-hmm. it's like oh yeah i have to have some kind of instrument that i can use to rally people um i was able to completely bend those <laughs> but when you create 
when you create a character like organically this way just kind of through random selection it's like i don't know who my character really is until the very end <laughs> of of the process mm -hmm. you know it's uh it's a very different experience i think i i don't think that jonathan and i would have that but we've also come from days of when random character creation was a part of the main rules in a system so yeah, <laughs> yeah. but i, I mean it, it, i think definitely if you're if you've been gaming for a while and you've been around some of those older systems where uh, literally randomization is a part of the main character creation system, mm -hmm. um, you might be more familiar with it. Um, so it's definitely a generational thing that I can see here. Um, and not our age difference, <laughs> our gaming age difference. Um, mm. You know, and, and that's the thing, like, because there's people that have been playing for longer than I have that talk about how they did certain things back in the day and how it was written in the rules. And I'm like, Man, I've never even heard of that crap. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, um, so I mean, it, it's definitely you know different different kinds of understandings from different ages. But um, I, I could definitely see that being something. Um, and I I actually created all my characters without using any of the random roll tables in here for the um, uh, for the con game. And I really wish that I had done some random rolling because it took me forever to do everything. Um, <laughs> the the random rolling can yeah. definitely be good. So, um, but political, social, and personal are uh, niches, and that was kind of something that kind of drove our characters how they were. And you you just roll a d10 to determine what they are, and it, it it's it's fairly open um, in regards to your interpretation of them. So, um, I I kind of like niches. Um, I, I like it because it really does fit your character in, into the world very quickly, and it has a it has wiggle room, you know, to sort of figure out what those things mean. It almost has a world of darkness feel to me, um, and, and I and I kind of I kind of like that. Um, uh, oh when you goodness, say world of darkness, I don't know the I don't know the reference because I am. So, it, it, world of darkness uses. Um, Oh my goodness, I forgot what the two things are called now because it's been forever since I've cracked open a book. Nature and um, demeanor. Nature and demeanor, thank you. Uh -huh. um, instead of having alignments, you use nature and demeanor to kind of show how your character interacts with the world in regards to like where they're going to kind of sit on a spectrum. That's um, much more intimate, isn't it? it? It definitely can be. If I remember correctly, nature is your innermost feelings and demeanor is your outermost, if I remember correctly. Yeah, nature is who you are and demeanor is what you present to the world. Yeah. There, there. Um, and, and I kind of feel like political, social, and personal do that same thing here. Um, I, I definitely feel like, you know, social is how you're going to be with other people. Personal is who you are. And political is how I, you're going to present that to other people. I, I, I actually disagree about that. I think political has much more to do with how you fit into the world. I think it has less to do with who you are as a person, unlike the, the, the first two, which kind of fit into that world of darkness that you were describing. But this political says like what kind of responsibilities or what kind of, um, what kind of perception do you have of the world? Um, and and uh, I think that that has much more to do with the way the world fits around you as, as, as well as the way you fit into the world, what kind of um, bonds and, and weight um, the choices you have 
are uh, and how those things are affected. Mm-hmm. I don't it, uh, think that what we're saying is completely as opposing. Um, oh no, it's not that opposing. I'm mm-hmm. I'm just drawing a clear distinction <laughs> is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think Emmett's point to like you know the nature and demeanor are both who you are. And once you add that third, it's like what people are gonna think of you no matter what you do, or like where you fit in yes. no matter what. So mm-hmm. like, you know, to say like you're outside the power structure, I mean, that's neither nature nor demeanor, right? To have like, mm-hmm. you know, your character is loved by all sort of a thing, <laughs> or, you know, or you fit in. Like, I mean, I mean, I, I love World of Darkness, but I mean, I love the old White Wolf system. I have nothing against it. But yeah, I mean, I think having that full triangulation of, um, mm-hmm. you know, how you feel on the inside, like what your family does or what your social thing does and then how like where you fit in the power structure right not the culture structure but the power structure are kind of like those levels you know it could be political cultural and personal i guess in phonogy also right that idea of power structure sort of culture aesthetic structure and then individual temperament or something yeah and so so it's i think it's like Maybe maybe it's that anthropology like rubbing off, <laughs> but that's really what I think about. Is is like dare it. it? It really is important. It really is important. Um, and I think that I really like that concept. Um, I really like that concept because you can really say a lot of about a character with very little, you know, um, especially the way that these things combine. Well, it gives you an interesting starting take on your character that I've never seen in another in, in another game. Yeah. Agreed. Definitely agreed. So, kind of going back to something that was talking about earlier um, when we were talking about gear, mm-hmm. uh, there's kind of two ways that gear kind of gets handled. Um, you can actually have a physical item, or it can also fall under your traits. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or wait, was that a trait that I had? Your power. Thing. It can be a power. Pa- sorry, or power. power. Yeah. Yes, yes, sorry. Misspoke power or uh, a, a gear item. So let's talk about gear and equipment right quick. Um, so if you're trying to do stuff, um, it's a suggested check of a difficulty of eight if you don't have the proper gear. Mm-hmm. But if you've got the gear written on your uh, character sheet mm-hmm. or you've picked it up in interactions with the world, uh, it's suggested that it drops it down to a three. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only one other system that I've seen where gear is highly highly effective like this but also completely optional and not really you know a major deal in the game itself um and i kind of like that because i i do get bogged down in certain games um where it's like all right uh did i purchase a, a week's worth of rations and the backpack <laughs> yeah. and the 10 foot pole do i have a ladder do i have 50 feet of rope um so i mean it's in some games have gone the way of saying adventurer's kit explorer's kit and giving you a random thing and you just like assume that there's stuff in there um but i i kind of like the way that this works also because that's one thing i hate about some games is i can say that i have a million items on my back Mm -hmm. but they're not necessarily going to do anything to how i'm interacting with the world Mm -hmm. and in this it's like gear doesn't really matter but if you have it it can help lessen the difficulty so yeah and i don't think we got into gear at all in our in our play session today i mean i think i might even just entirely skipped that part um of uh, when creation. i had the wrench true oh no we didn't do it in character creation but when i had the wrench you you dropped the difficulty that is for true. me so yeah that is um, true and i think yeah i mean that's i think you picked up on exactly that i like that idea where it's highly functional and useful but it's totally optional 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that's like, I, I, I like even the powers are sort of the same thing as as where, I mean, like I, I didn't use my powers that often, but uh, when I did use my powers, like it really did change things. It, it really changed the way, um, I interacted with the world. I, I really liked that I was. I mean, like. I could, I could, I don't want to give too much away. <laughs> I, I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll stop there. <laughs> so uh, let's go straight over to powers then. Um, hmm. So powers is a part of the character creation. Uh, we'll go a little more in depth on character creation itself in a second. Uh, but powers are actually broken up into five different categories. Um, and you roll uh, 2d10 to determine where you are. Um, and so the first category is combat skills, the next one is assets, then training, then abilities, and then familiars. Um, and for those of you that your brain immediately goes to an animal or something like that, <laughs> familiars is actually more like a supernatural magic or a potential of uh, an ally animal spirit thing. So uh, I kind of like that it really is uh, kind of like a difference in just the normal, hey, I've got this thing or... If you go old school D and D, you hit a certain level. Paladins can get a uh, unicorn mount <laughs> yeah. or a Pegasus mount or something. Um, and I mean, like that's the most magical it is. And more modern versions, you can you know kind of pick things now. Um, but even then, this is really cool because um, uh, there's uh, you can get a revenant, you can get a, a spirit, you can get uh, elementals, you can get phantasms, um, and uh, so it's. It's kind of a neat thing where these are your summons. Yeah, I had quick spirits. I hardly ever use the the function, but uh, <laughs> I was able to use the tag on it for, for a lot of things, and it really just, you know, gives you that extra oomph, I think, even, even when you're not actively using it. I will also say powers is also the most crunchy mechanic in the entirety of Famagy. <laughs> and it, it's not a very crunch-heavy system, but I'll say, like, when I was trying to, the very first time through reading through, create powers for a game that I was running, I had to go back and reread this section a couple times because there are certain things that I felt like I was going back to math class for, so... <laughs> I, I, I mean, like, this game is very... Is is not very crunchy at all. So like, no, no. I mean, like crunchy like oatmeal. Like, crunchy like oatmeal. <laughs> yeah, it's like your math is like, oh, what's four minus three? It's like, okay, yeah. I well, mean, I mean, to to the to their point though. I mean, I think, I mean, I I don't know exactly the story behind that or what made that feel, but I know in our. Um, again, just like behind the scenes, you know, when we make our uh, GM screen or when you have to make your chart that has all your powers in it, I do just default to like algebraic or like pre-calculus like nomenclature <laughs> or like right. taxonomy. Really? So like, I mean, I use semicolons, I use yield signs, I'll use n as a variable. And so it might turn up like, you know, like even something that's, you know, crunchy like oatmeal, you're just like, wait, what's N minus one? Like, what the, what the hell is N? <laughs> and so I, I can see, I mean, I can just imagine if you're trying to like make your own power or you're trying to like, you know, there's that, it's just like a couple pages on making your own power in the character creation chapter. And then later in the game, or sorry, later in the book, 
there's like a couple there's more pages on how to like make your own powers if you're trying to do a high fantasy game or a sci-fi game or something and i do get that i mean i th- i don't know i found that amusing <laughs> where it's like yeah it's super not crunchy but at the same time it's like well yeah i had to read that four times because like what the hell is he doing in that paragraph and i take that I, that makes perfect sense to me I totally <laughs> Well, I'll say it, 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 it's there's one specific one that I used um, that I rolled randomly for all the powers uh, in the end. But uh, Sapper, check at five, cause DT minus to one target at will. <laughs> and, and, like like oh. that right there, you have to then go back and go, okay, what do they mean? Okay, so check at five means, you know, greater than five, cause DT minus. Okay, hold on. What the hell is DT? Where did I yeah. miss the, that? definition so there was there was there was a little bit of like i i get why it was done this way and i think that it's great but it honestly took a second or two to break it back down um to kind of figure out some things but i don't think that powers could have been done any other way to be as open as the rest of the system is um with how powers couldn't have been done any less crunchy without not being able to fully fit in with the system and offer what they do yeah, and that's, I honestly think that that uh, if it reads like that, you could just spend a couple extra words. I get that <laughs> ink and, and print is expensive. Well, but, but it, uh, it's it's consistent. So when you first look at it, you're like, "What yeah, the yeah, heck is this? Yeah. It's talking Egyptian to me." But but after you after you understand it, it's like, "Okay, yeah, that's perfectly natural. That's that's exactly the way I would have said that." <laughs> and i i agree completely i'm also going to um, look at page 75 which has the full description of sapper different than um the truncated version for the chart and i think this is cute that's why i'm reading it um so this is the full description if you look at like you know if you don't want to look at that little calculus here you can read the paragraph it says the hero possesses a pernicious instrument as an asset tile with one trait and two stress wounds at any time during the play around the sapper can roll a check at a difficulty of five to deal dt minus to a single target so i like that it still has the pernicious instrument which i admit is a little high yeah. yes. <laughs> i like pernicious, pernicious instrument that's, you know you gotta get your vocab in there too it's not like you're doing anything wrong you know, <laughs> well i do think that's a good point uh, I, I will say, like, I, I don't see a way that powers could have been done any differently, other than making them even crunchier than they are right now. <laughs> like, this is this is the least amount of crunch you could go. Um, but I think that it definitely adds in, and I think that out of everything, out of niches, traits, themes, gear, powers had to be the crunchy way that they are because of how. Um, God, uh, the, the wording that I want to use here is probably not the best, but uh, it's almost adversarial to the rest of the mechanics in a way that powers seek to change effect and modify the system mm-hmm. and modify the gameplay in what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's the perfect level of crunch. I think that it comes across in a way that is honestly um, one of the best open... Uh, universal system way of building abilities and powers in my personal opinion um, I, it's it's very easy you can get almost any kind of from the ones that are here you can pretty much build any kind of character I can build every D&D class using these powers here mm. and I like that I can grab another system 
and look at it or another type of even fantasy or sci-fi or any type of thing and be able to take it and smash it into these powers Mm -hmm. and come out with something that looks remotely like it and operates remotely like something in literature and if i need to change it there's rules on how to do that so That, well. that sounds great to me. I love that. <laughs> uh, Please. I think More something praise. too. Uh, well, no, I mean, I think that later sections too, right? I mean, some people read that, you know, if you get, depending on who's got the book and the group and who's reading what and, you know, how much the game master reads and how much the players read, you know, it's mm-hmm. a lot of those later chapters in the book. Um, like you mentioned, you know, Fonji is kind of a toolkit game. There are four full campaign settings in the back of that book then that have their own rule mods and variants. Mm-hmm. Um, but then part of those mods, you know, we have, and I'm not the biggest D&Der, right? I mean, I played D&D like 2E, right? Like, and I remember that, and I loved it. I, I used to play it over the phone. Like, oh, wow. I mean, like on a long, on a long corded phone where I'd be like, Mom, don't listen. And I'd like yeah, take right. the long cord and like hide in the bathroom with the door shut playing D&D over the phone, you know? Like, I remember, you know, that sort of old days. And I love my old stuff. But, you know, I haven't played, you know, I didn't play 4th. I don't really play 5E. Um, I didn't even play 3.5. I was more like a 1 and 2 kind of kind of player um but you know we have a thing on like you know here's how you can do fighter gnomes here's how you can do elf rangers here's mm-hmm. how you can do halfling sorcerers or whatever right and right. um and i i mean i'd almost I mean i literally have to pull that straight out of my butt so i mean i'd be sort of interested you know in how like a D i think it's cool though that you felt right like those powers and those ways that it was constructed um you know there's definitely big games like heroes and the superhero games i think are very effects based mm-hmm. um and I think, you know, those are the ones that are difficult to give the same breath to, right? Like, if you look at a game like Heroes or Champ, sorry, Champions, right? Yeah. And they've got, like, 300 powers and all these <laughs> charts and, like, little points of, you know, how fast is your super speed? How much ice can you melt at this time? And it's all effects-based. Yeah. And it's beautiful. You know, but how can you parse that down? So, I mean, for me, I mean, it, yeah, it is. it does feel beautiful. I mean, praise or not, I mean, I really, I appreciate that, you know, putting that traction and putting those, you know, six years of refining and design and those kinds of things really mattered for players like you, right? I really, mm-hmm. I think it's cool that you noticed that. Um, and that that was something that really felt sort of versatile. I mean, we have 200 powers and there's only 50 in the book, right? We yeah. only put yeah. in the 50 that really helped. I mean, we have two, you know, we have 150 other powers that I use that are on, you know, other character sheets you've seen, the monsters, the obstacles. And, uh-huh. you know, those are the 50 we decided to put in the book. And I think it's cool that they, at least, you know, they shine a little bit and they feel like, mm-hmm. yeah, they're crunchy, they change things up. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, Emmett's character blocking at just that gorgeous moment, you know, or whether it's someone recognizing, wait a minute, if I do this, can I do this? And it's like, yes, yes, you can. And they're like, no yeah. way. And then, you know, like it changes things. Like, I mean, that's cool. I mean, those are the moments, you, you know, you die for as a, as a game master or a game designer. So I think it's really cool that, um, mm-hmm. that at least that possibility sort of like, you know, percolated in your brain. And when you ran that, um, uh, we still haven't even talked about that Three Musketeers game. I think I sent you like 15 Twitter messages. Like, Tell me how it went. Uh, I was all like, I know. <laughs> like, hey man, I'm getting a drink in the bar. You want to you come uh, tell me how it went? Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, we were really still cool. playing at that point, too. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, I'm like, hey, you want to get drunk? You're like, uh, I'm playing a game right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say for me, uh, the only hiccup that I've had with all the character creation and the way everything else works. The one hiccup for me um, is that um, I'm a gearhead. I like playing cyberpunk and science <laughs> fiction and mecha games. And it, 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 there's we, we had a clockwork beast and creature, 
And at the end of the day, there are certain games I don't feel like I could fully run in this. Um, and that's not the system's fault, technically. I'm just a gearhead. I like <laughs> having where I can literally stat out what each body part is on a cyberpunk thing. How do each pieces on a mech work? Um, I, I, I get to be a gearhead, and that's uh, my biggest problem with any universal system is how come I can't be as gear heavy with it as I want to be. <laughs> um, and and I, I like the simplistic way that it does it in regards to running a game, having to create a bunch of stuff behind the scenes. You just tack on, hey, it's a mech, or hey, it's a clockwork, or hey, you know, it's got this. Um, and that, that, that works real well for a running standpoint. But uh, as a gearhead player, that's been my only hiccup with Fantasy so far. I guess, hmm, I'm surprisingly, surprisingly, while I'm not the level of gearhead that, <laughs> that you are, by even a long shot, I'm kind of there with you. Um, is that, like, there is a lot of versatility with this system, and there is a lot of, like, like narrative, but sometimes I feel like because you cut it down so much um you have like like it costs like two two um what is it two dt for me to 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 use my ability at a level that i think is like useful um and and at that point i i think like i i gain more from having my my dt I, what i'm saying is the points, the, the limited amount of points kind of works against you um, in, a lot of, in a lot of ways, uh, I think. And so these, these powers, this crunch that you have um, is kind of limited by how little crunch you have in the rest of the game and how little that crunch comes back to age you. Okay, but... That's what I know, makes I this... know how you like. Oh, hang, hang on, hang on. Hang on. The, here's hang the thing: on. is you can't do it any other way. Though. Let me talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know okay. You don't like look, crunch, look, 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 look. I love crunch. I am a hero. I I, I am a hero five star gamer. I love crunch. Trust me. <laughs> but part of the feeling of this game is that lack of crunch and. That is what makes this game feel the way it does. Now, you may not be able to run a Champions campaign in this game, but that's fine. You don't want every game to be Champions. You want Fantasy to be Fantasy because Fantasy is awesome the way it is. And when you want to play this game, it feels so much different than most of the other games out there that you can't really replace this game with something else. And that's oh, the real 100%. thing. 100%. You know, and I'm, I'm there with you. Like, you can't do it. You can't, like, it's sort of like... Uh... Mr. RPG Hour said earlier on, you can't really do it any differently mm. um, without losing the the precious gem that is that is in this this themes and and very uh, crunch light system. <laughs> and I I think that it's like I I love this game. Mm -hmm. Like I, I think that it's great. I think it, it it works for for what you're intending to do with it. Um, for what it's intending to do, it has, you know, it has it has weaknesses. There are trade-offs, but like, without that, it would lose 
It'd, it'd be like gilding the lily a little bit. It's like you would you would ruin what was originally something beautiful and simple. Um, and so while there is a sort of trade-off, you're right, Jonathan. I mean, if you want to play Cyberpunk, then go play Cyberpunk. That's a perfectly oh, wonderful game. But I, I think that's too crunchy for me. <laughs> I, I think at the, at the end of the day, the reason why it does kind of come down for me is this is an anime D... Uh, or, uh, not D. It's an anime slash JRPG simulator on the tabletop, and I mean that that that's um, and so th- there's certain games that I would be a little off put by trying to play them in this, but 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 <laughs> I I agree. This system is not meant to emulate that, and it does a whole lot of other things really well. My only problem is there's not really a good anime RPG <laughs> that I'm able to feel like I really get to play a mecha, and mecha <laughs> is a part of the anime world. So that's that's the other thing is you that you mecha. know I do I do I'm a Gundam Robotech <laughs> fan. All right, like one of my first no, favorite animes no. was Robotech. Fa- fan attic. <laughs> I am the screaming fanboy girl yes. in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> All right, like that's me. Like, give me mechs, give me weird alien romances, and give me. Yeah. Oh, I lost myself there, but give me space battles. So I think everything you're saying is totally 100 percent true. Um, yeah, definitely. You know those those trade offs you make when you're designing. Mm-hmm. I also think, I mean, something I just never do in conventions, and we never did here. I mean, there's a whole, like, you know, you have like your drama tokens which are very different than the tokens in Fate. I mean, we could talk about differences between yeah. Fate and Fate. Some people like talking oh, about that, some people don't. They're close, they're close <laughs> enough that I, that I thought about it. Well, I mean, to me, it's like Star Trek and Star Wars, you know? Like, your Aunt yes, Matilda yes, thinks exactly. they're the same thing. But then when you watch them, you realize they're literally a thousand percent different. Right. Um, but, I mean, I think, you know, when it comes to, um, you know, those, those, I guess, like, those, those sorts of levels or, you know, those, those different economies, there's also this economy of the status effects, which is a whole another level of crunch that mm-hmm. I never play in conventions. <laughs> uh, we hint at it in the rule book. We give you the rules for that. Um, mm-hmm. But a lot of people don't use them. You know, the tokens, all the drama tokens that we sell have the status effects on the back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the status effects make a whole nother level of crunch. And mm-hmm. there's a whole thing about that's what gear should do, right? Your gear, if you yeah. want to make gear important, you, you bring in status effects, right? Mm-hmm. Those things like shock, those things like um, stagger, those things like limit, you know, those things are really big. Yeah. Um, and just then, I guess, as a little teaser, I mean, our Mecca setting expansion is coming out in May. <laughs> cool. And we have oh, new rules on how to make Mechas. We have a whole new set of 10 brand new status effects that you can mm. use. Neat. And it's a kaiju setting. So there's a whole rules oh. on how to make Mechas. Oh, with cool. tiles. I am 100% certain that uh, how to the play Star kaiju. RPG, I will play it at some point. Yeah. <laughs> And so every mecha and every kaiju is like a multi-tile assemblage. Neat. And the way those tiles all relate to each other is its own sort of... Okay. Um, you can put status effects on one, not the other. And you really go through the round sort of like hammering status effects. And you stack them up and they can only heal... One, they can heal like vertically to heal all of one status effect. Uh, or horizontally to heal one of each status effect. That's cool. And so you're kind of like leveling and it really... You know, because the whole point of that is a tactical play is your mechas. And you can do either Voltron style or you can do independent style. <laughs> Um, so that's coming out in May, so you'll see that. Oh, man. Just as a heads see, up. 
<laughs> and I was actually writing my own custom rules for Mecha to fit this. Mm. And the way that it was working is that there was a head, the body, the legs are each one, and the arms are each one. So they, they had their own health, and they could each take their own status effects. That's actually mm. what someone I was working on because of the status effects. I was going to mention this, but, um, yeah, status effects are kind of how I sort of uh, come back from it and could definitely see you doing certain kinds of mecha stuff with it. Um, but when I mentioned um, that you've got a kaiju and mecha thing coming out, uh, Mrs. <laughs> RPG Hour squeed and started like, uh, like she's very excited over here. So uh-huh. uh, and the way the way you set it up with like the head and the body, that's what we do for the kaiju. Mm-hmm. They have a head or multiple heads. They have um, a single body, and then they have actual limit. They have like sort of like limit breakers uh, nice. where it works. Where, like anytime they roll zeros, anytime they roll a ten. It doesn't affect you. Like they can't roll tens against you. It just like builds up markers on their limit breaker oh, until eventually cool. they fucking like breath weapon you. Neat. Um, and so you really, you know, you can do different things and throw that. And that's the way the kaiju works. The mechas actually work totally differently. Um, it's called huh. Full Metal Jackal. Um, <laughs> but they, uh, yeah, they function sort of differently than that. But the way you described it, that's how the the kaiju function. And I think it, it does work really cool. I mean, it's cool that again. I mean, it, it, I guess it sounds kind of fluttery, but um, <laughs> but you you saw that you saw that part of the system, and you you made it exactly that way. I mean, that's a, well, mm-hmm. that's what we wanted, right? That's how you should do that. You know, like that's mm-hmm. that's a perfect way to like see the affordances of the system, and so that makes me happy. Again, right? It's like you saw what you could do. Like, hey, this isn't in the rules, but I want to do this, and so here's what I'll do, and that's how you made Mecca. That's awesome. Like that's that's super great. Yeah, I, I was doing a write-up, and I was actually going to, like, uh, once this competition was done, I was going to, our uh, design competition that we're all in, um, I was going to actually send you the write-up and be like, hey, look, I don't know if you got anything ever, but since you already got something, I mean, all right, guys, I mean. <laughs> well, we can talk, I mean, it's not out till May. We've got, I don't know if we have time to talk about it or not, but um, we got the setting written up. We actually, we pulled in a, a really great writer, um, and they put together a pretty cool, um, you know, like world for it, and then the Very two mods cool. are. I think it's the kaiju mod, which has those kaiju rules, and then the second mod is as actually the new status effects, and it's called Mecha Gear. Neat. So I mean, it really it's the exact two things you're talking about. It's a more complicated <laughs> gear system that yeah. uses a new set of status effects. Cool. Um, and then it's the, uh, and then that the rules about kaiju and multi time. Nice. So we are getting down to time. We got about ten minutes, so I'm gonna go over one more mechanic, um, and then we are going to jump straight into um, uh, giving the ratings. Because hmm. um, I figure that talking about this what last mechanic is actually gonna take up a decent amount of time. <laughs> um, so the last mechanic that we're gonna talk about is actually the biggest one, and I wanted to save this for last. <laughs> um, to do anything in the game system, it comes down to is it a check? Or is it a challenge? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's one thing that I've definitely loved about a lot of different systems is they handle things. It's not just um, pure success uh, in a lot of these newer systems. They handle things a little bit differently. Um, powered by the Apocalypse, we were talking about that earlier before recording. Um, I, I love it because it's there's a success, a fail, and a success but, a middle ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me... That's offered in a different way in this system. You can either do a more traditional challenge where you roll uh, against an opposed check and that is going to determine whether you succeed or fail. 
or you could do something called check and check offers a different thing than just pass fail do damage to something because you can either affect the scene itself take away or add to the conditions and things at the table or gain more drama tokens and for those of you that are curious because i just realized i didn't say this dt stands for drama token <laughs> so all those drama tokens we were talking about earlier all those dts uh this is how you can gain more <laughs> to do things is to go and do a check instead um so yeah i i really like them so you guys what do you think about the check versus challenge system <laughs> I think it makes it a lot more like potentially lethal. Honestly, really? I, I like that there's this 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 defense against it. But like, say everything goes to shit, and you have like the, I mean, for example, something with five tokens <laughs> and the theme uh, working against you, that could just like fucking murder you in one go. Like, it provided everything goes wrong. <laughs> you know, it doesn't usually, but you had there is that chance there. Um, and you you do have this where you can do a lot of damage, but someone else can do a lot of damage, or you know you can really, um, you know, declaw something or or mm -hmm. be declawed. I, I think that it, uh, it's it's uh it's sort of you you do get momentum in a battle. Mm -hmm. And you do feel that momentum. So, I really, really like the dice system in Fantasy. It's a lot different than <laughs> pretty much any other game I've ever played. I, I guess that's the theme. This game is a lot different than other games. <laughs> so it has a very distinct feeling to it. But um, I love that in this game, you can use a lot of traits and get a lot of dice and still roll just crap and the, your <laughs> opponent rolls 110 and like bam that. it's all over for you <laughs> but uh but that mean what that means is you, you don't have to sweat hitting every single trait every single time because if you hit like you know four or five traits and you've got a decent number of, of drama tokens then you're fine you're okay because you're gonna you're either gonna roll well or you're not gonna roll well and you don't have you don't have as much control over that as you do in others in other games, so you don't have to sweat every single trait every single time, and that makes it that makes for me it makes it where I can concentrate on playing my character and having fun, and I don't have to worry about gaming the numbers for every single check. I just gotta say that's beautiful. That's our dream. Um... I'm not trying to interrupt. Um, <laughs> Please. I mean, I play. I, mean, I play this. You know, we have regular groups and we play all the time. But I mean, as a game designer, as someone who goes to conventions, I literally play most of my games of Fantasy at conventions with strangers. Um, yeah. It changes your relationship to a game. <laughs> right. And so, you know, to hear someone say that is like, yes, that's how it's supposed to be. <laughs> uh, but when you go to conventions, you know, everyone sweats. Like, I want to hit everything and every mm -hmm. go. Yeah, exactly. And it's like you don't have to. Like right. the, the point of the game, you know, it's like people read you know, that really basic sort of intro to how to play to traits and themes. And mm -hmm. they kind of get this idea of like, I'm going to be the master and I'm going to have the most flowery <laughs> right. articulate descriptions ever. And that sort of yes. thing sort of sets in and, and I can see people just sort of worry too much. And it's like, no, like literally just keep role playing, you know, like you'll figure yeah. out, like keep, just go slow, let it build up, you know, like yeah. figure out new strategies as you go. And it's so cool to hear you say that you feel like that takes the pressure off versus yeah. 
putting pressure on you to try to hit everything every time. Right. That's again, I think that's great. That's exactly what we're going for. And so many times at conventions, it's, you know, the opposite, right? The first time a big group of gamers show up because their D&D table's full. So they come to my table and they're like, what's this nonsense? And they want to play. I'm going to get all 11 every time. You don't have to do that. And then they get all angry when they don't do a thousand damage. Well, I rolled 11 dice. Why didn't I just want to And I'm like, well, because I rolled four dice and that's all that matters. (laughs) You know? Yeah. So that was really cool to hear. Sorry, I had to jump in just because that was just really refreshing. I really enjoyed hearing that. Well, and and I'll say I, 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 I catch myself trying to hit at least three every single time. Um, when I don't have damage tokens, mm-hmm. or uh, sorry, drama tokens, um, I, I, I catch myself trying to hit at least three because even with just one drama token, mm-hmm. it you just find yourself easily hitting two or three no matter what. Right. And so you're not as worried. But when you don't have drama tokens, you Sweat. really are like, Sweat. Yeah. So, I mean, look at earlier in the, the game, I, I did get a bunch of 10s, but at the same time, I was also rolling seven, eight dice, Yeah, you know, yeah. and I was only getting like three, I think the most I ever got was like three 10s, but like, <laughs> there was like a bunch tens, of other, dude. I got, got four 10s, four 10s, four tens and like two what? eights. It was insane. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, it, it, <laughs> I didn't feel pressured that I had to get those, so to speak. Mm-hmm. When I didn't have any uh, dr- drama tokens, I was sweating bullets over here. Like, yes. yeah, great, I was over great. here. I'm over here. Like, wait, which ones did oh, I did I roll tens yeah. on earlier? Which which ones were that? Because, like I said, I got thirty dice over here, and a lot of them look kind of similar. <laughs> and I'm like, I I, I, I want to roll those tens again. Where were those? Yeah. So. Wait, is that wait? Is he attacking me again? Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like uh, there was a moment where like I used one of my powers, and and I had to use some drama tokens for that, and I was like. Oh wow! Wow, this is uh, this is not as helpful as I thought it should but be. But you saved his butt. Yes. That was a glorious moment. <laughs> this is not as helpful as I thought it should be. I'm like, I am fucked, guys. <laughs> uh, and like, and like, I, I realized like, like maybe maybe I should start playing this a little different. The next the next scene, and so like I was like, I'm gonna hoard these drama tokens. If I can like at least keep one at all times, uh, and really get this advantage over over people, I don't I don't have to worry about like what I'm doing and and, and play this this manic game that kind of wears off for <laughs> about an hour of play, uh, where I'm trying to min max myself, so to speak. Yeah. And I I mean I think there's a couple things there too. I mean just in the interest of time, I guess. I mean that idea i i think mr rpgr brought up a a cool thing about that um sort of partial successes and other games Mm -hmm. that do that and a lot of folks can look at the check mechanic and fanaji and say oh it's a pass fail like that's we hate Mm -hmm. that like we've grown out of that pass fail (laughs) it's like okay well one there's challenges um and two something that's it's literally not in the book at all i mean it's like a variant that we play Mm -hmm. is that idea that if you fail a check the gm gets to make up a condition secretly on the side that then like literally functions like a condition to steal drama tokens <laughs> later in the game. And that's how I play at conventions. That's how I play, right? And that, oh, again, me. that's not in the book. That's something that's come up in the last, you know, four or five years since right. the book came out. Um, and it really then does mitigate that, right? Like you can, yeah, you can pass or you can fail, but no matter what, something is going to happen, right? There's mm-hmm. an effect where like now I've created a thing. Um, and also one of our variants um, in the, so we've got three books coming out that are two settings each and each setting has two modules or variants right? nice so that's going to be 
whatever, six, six <laughs> 12, 12, more, 12 more rule variants coming out. Um, and one yes. of them, checkmate, it's that the GM doesn't set difficulties for checks. Huh. Um, if you get, if you roll a one or two, if you like fail a, a three check, um, you suffer a DT minus. So you lose a drama uh, token. If you don't yeah. have a drama token, it does your smallest wound. That could oh. be a stress wound. If you're out right. of stress wounds, it does a flesh wound. If you're oh. out of flesh wounds, you're dead. Right? <laughs> so like, so Damn. if you roll between two and eight or two and seven, then is like, or sorry, two and five is like a normal check. Between uh, three and five, you get a, you either get the DT plus or a new condition, just like normally. If you roll huh. over eight, then you get a DT plus or a condition or a status effect that you can put in. Uh. So it separates it. So it, and it really does play on that. It's called our checkmate variant. But it means huh. the GM has nothing to do with checks. You guys just roll right. whatever you want. I don't set a difficulty. <laughs> Every check is either DT minus, DT plus, or condition, or huh. status effect level. So, that's um, and cool. that's been pretty cool. That's been cool to play test too. It, it makes yeah. like because then you force people to bring in those status effects and start throwing those on their enemies. It's really right? fun. <laughs> well, all right. That's all the time that we have for talking mechanics, talking about the system, and everything. Um, I'll let you guys get to kind of thinking about where you want to put it on a one to five scale. Mm -hmm. Right quick, I'm going to go ahead and go over some of our friends and the system, uh, or the, the rankings that they have on their sites. So Drive Through RPG, um, it currently is sitting at a 4.8 out of five, mm -hmm. and our friends over at RPG Geek, uh, right now the the rating over there is a 9.5 out of 10. Yeah. Uh, so Fantasy is sitting. Um, now, uh, full disclosure, RPG does have quite a few ratings. RPG Geek only has two. Mm -hmm. So uh, it, it's kind of an inflated version there. But at the same time, if you really look at 4.8 of 5 and 9.5 out of 10, they're still very close together. Yeah. That number really isn't much of a difference, even with just a few people very, you know, a few people versus uh, a bunch of people. Right. Um, versus some of our times when we look at that, sometimes one of them will be real high with only like two, and then you go to one of the other sites and it's not as high uh, with a bunch of people. So um, this system definitely carries itself pretty well. Um, so yeah. Jonathan, on a scale of one to five, what do you give it? Hmm. Um. Okay, so. Calvin's right here with us, so I may be biased. <laughs> don't be, don't be. <laughs> but I'll tell you what I'm wavering between. I'm wavering between a 4.5 and a 5 because this game is so unique and it's so much fun. So if I if I wanted to play Fantasy, I wouldn't be able to go to any other game and play Fantasy because it's so much different than anything else. And it's a lot of fun, so I want to play it sometimes, right? Five stars is a really high bar, though, and so I'm not sure if it's quite a five. Maybe after a couple more supplements, are you going to come out with a second edition? You know, <laughs> there's room to grow, but I'm definitely thinking 4.5, no-brainer. All right, Emmett? Uh, so, I love this game. Like, <laughs> first of all, I want to I wanna say a couple things. I love this game. I think you will, uh, if you have a party of people who even halfway know what they're doing <laughs> you are going to have a, a, a f like fun combat encounter encounters reliably mm -hmm. um, but as for my personal taste that I have been slowly developing I I have some, some issues with it that we discussed previously <laughs> I think that 
you are absolutely right, uh, Jonathan, that you cannot get this experience from any other game. And I will probably buy this, you know, like having having played it again for the second time, it seems really fun and easy. However, I think it's really just my tastes that are getting in the way. Um, <laughs> and so I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a four. Mm. So, when that supplement in May comes out, this may change. Uh, but as of right now, I am a solid 4.5. Um, like I said, the only thing that kind of gets in the way is uh, it, <clears throat> it, it took me a little bit of work to get to where I felt like I could run everything that I feel falls under anime and uh, JRPGs. Um, and that's what actually happens with a lot of these things. Um, you know, uh, with a lot of these universal systems, is it gets down to what is it really trying to peg itself as, even though it's universal? Okay, what is there things that I feel like I can't really run under it? It's more of an objective. If I go purely by feelings, I'm, I'm hitting a five. But objectively, there are certain kinds of things that I can't emulate. So if a player comes to me and says, hey, I want to play a game, I want an anime RPG, I want a JRPG th simulator at the tabletop, this is the game I want to play. And if it's one of those things that has a little bit more gearhead heavy stuff, and that's kind of what they want, then that's kind of, you know, a little bit hard for me to 100% hit with fantasy. However, if somebody comes to me and doesn't have specifics and doesn't have, they just want to play a universal game or they just yeah. want to play something mm -hmm. and they are down for improv, they're down for narrative first. Um, this is honestly going to be the first thing I go to for narrative first games. Um, if, if they've got if they've got anything in there that is restrictive in regards to the type of game that they want to play and it's something that is a little bit gearhead heavy, like I said, that's the only reason why I set it at 4.5. Now, when the mecha and kaiju stuff comes out <laughs> and I get that in front of me, that may change it because, like I said, I had a way that I built kaiju or uh, I had a way that I built mecha and it still felt a little heavy handed for me. Um, and so that's that was kind of the the thing for me at that point where I was kind of on edge about. Um, so that's the only reason why it sits at a four point five. If Calvin wasn't here, I'd still give it four point five. Um, I, I honestly think that it's it's despite Calvin being here. Like, I, I, like I, I, I I I probably I probably would if he wasn't here. I probably would have given it the same rating <laughs> well good that's grand yeah yeah i mean i appreciate all the feedback too and yeah i mean every um you know final g was sort of like our big second push you know we had early dark came out and it's a very sort of like gritty it, i mean i think it was probably one of the first like uh you know what do they call it grim dark settings or something right it was mm -hmm. the third game ever on kickstarter back in 2010 mm. it was super wow. crunchy if you try to play early dark i mean you've got to spend all that dm prep time it was like you know like <laughs> Like fourth edition hadn't come out yet, I don't think, or it was still oh, sort wow. of like in 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 the works, and everyone was looking for like alternative big games, right? Like, yeah, I, mean, I was just kind of well. I mean, as far as I know, I don't even know. I mean, I wasn't even on Twitter at the time. <laughs> Who knows what was happening right. uh, way back then, right? But I mean, that idea was like 2008 or something, right? When we started putting that together, um, and you know, it was really big, right? And then Fonji was kind of that second thing, and we've got a couple more stuff coming out since then, and um, you know, every game comes at it from different angles, and this feedback has all been great. I think you, I think you all really get the game like you understand it so i think those ratings are 100 percent solid right like um <laughs> like everything that you've been that you've been mentioning 
usually it's like the people just don't get it sometimes right and the fact mm-hmm. that you all really get it i mean i take all those ratings i mean those are 100 percent. like i'll tattoo them on my chest um, i really appreciate that. I, mean, I like i like that candor i mean i think that's great i mean those, mm-hmm. the, you've said everything i've you know that, that i you know that i could hear um and i love it and i'm really glad that you guys had a fun time um and yeah totally i mean everything all the feedback you've given i think has been really really uh, heartening yeah i i want to say that there are there are two ways to play this game that I, I see for myself that I think like it, it's conducive in my sight and my imagining to a long form campaign. And it's conducive to kind of like the short, you know, manic fun that you have at a convention. I think that those two styles are very great, but in a, in a short campaign, you kind of get stuck towards the middle. And yes. I, I begin to wonder if like maybe character progression um, would, would favor more like, you get you get weighted characters who either have this level up or they don't yeah yeah so well i'm glad to hear that we didn't uh offend you and that you'll (laughs) never speak to us again uh uh, so uh definitely waiting until that next supplement comes out in may yeah well we'll Um, do this we'll do this again mecca only yeah yeah sounds awesome (laughs) yeah hopefully if if we're not completely set up, I'll have to sit that one out so that Mrs. RPG Hour can be in that one. <laughs> as much as I am a Mecha fan, um, the the one nerdy thing about my mother uh, that my wife uh, shares with it uh, is the fi- their, their their love of kaiju. So um, <clears throat> which which once you create that, I may actually be able to finally get her at a gaming table. So cool, cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's a, it's definitely exciting, and to see this like developing into. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, like you deserve it, bro. Like, it's mm-hmm. cool. It's good shit. <laughs> cool. Well, all right, that's, Mr. That's on Calvin. the back of the edition. It's good shit. <laughs> <laughs> Be sure to attribute that quote. <laughs> hey, you can take my picture for my thumbs up. <laughs> he wins no themes, but it's good shit. <laughs> it's good shit. <laughs> well, if you don't mind, go ahead and plug yourself one last time. Or one yeah. more time. Sure, yeah, thank you so much. Um, I'm Calvin Johns with Anthropos Games. Um, you can see all of our stuff, uh, mostly on Twitter at Anthropos Games. We've got a Facebook page with you know some groups with some Phonogy activity. And then you can always check out um, anthroposgames.com for you know little long-form articles, playtests, extra character sheets, things like that. And, of course, we are RPG Hour. You can find us over at rpghour.com. You can also find us at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Patreon, Ko-Fi, Podchaser, at RPG Hour. Give us thumbs up. Retweet us. Five stars to help us reach more people. And until the dice roll again. 